Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. I think what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky, your game is an instant hit, it's resonating with users. But for when that's not the case, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zeloff, VP of Marketing at IronSource. Welcome, everybody, to Deconstructor Fun Podcast. Today, I got the same fantastic guests as last time as we were talking Pokemon Unite. We got... Um, Senor Javier Barnes, <laughs> very experienced game designer of 10 years of experience. We're not going to say where you work now, but we do have to say that you are also a professional wrestler. Is this correct? Yes, I was a professional wrestler for the last 10 years. I've uh, wrestled against some of the folks of WWE. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, known as the, uh, the, the powerful El Nino. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we also have... Hadrian Samrut, back on the podcast, highly experienced product manager, eight years of industry experience from casual games and social casino, and now working on probably mid-core games, just my guess. We don't we don't talk about where we work at. Hadrian, welcome back. Bienvenue. Still on casual. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back on, on the podcast. And um, and we're today we're gonna talk about Clash Mini because we've been playing Clash Mini for uh for several for a couple of months at least already, ever since it came out. I think it came out a month and a half ago. And um, you guys wrote a fantastic deconstruction. Again, the two of you plus Krishna Israne, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, and, and most likely if you're listening to this podcast, you have already skimmed through the 420 pages of deconstructions of Clash of Mini, and you're kind of like, let me listen to this a little bit before I before I continue reading. So fantastic deconstruction on on this new title with one of the best IPs on mobile, arguably. It's the first game from Supercell's Shanghai studio, and it fits really well with Supercell's core competences. It's essentially targeted to be a big game done by a very small team. The content cadence feels manageable. We're going to talk about that way more in this podcast. And the visual communication is extremely clear. Not only is it child, no, childish looking, a very accessible looking game with these minis, but it also uses the same Clash characters and everybody kind of know 
how to play with a barbarian and how to play with the effect god and, and so forth. So what were your first expectation when the game was announced as the roll-up of these three Clash games, the Clash Quest, of which we're not going to talk more about uh, <laughs> the Clash Heroes, which is the, uh, the Unreal Engine-based game, an action RPG that is still somewhere in the works and looks very polished, very um, triple-A-ish or double-A-ish at least. And then Clash Mini was one of the announcements. So, uh, Javi, do you want to kick off? I was like, what was your first impression? Um, I actually did an article that people can read on my blog about <laughs> the three new games. What, what's, the na- <laughs> what's the name of your blog? I'm not going to say it. People can, can look it out. There will be oh a link on the article because... The worst self-promotion <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's a really um, bad name. Um, but basically, Clash Quest, I wasn't very excited about, to be honest. I felt it was Quest of uh, Legends of Solgard all over again. Um, so I wasn't very convinced. Um, in fact, I haven't been convinced by any puzzle game released by Supercell. Um, I think that the approach that they're doing now about Funding other companies that actually have expertise on that genre, I think it's much better than creating them in-house. Uh, but yeah, Clash Quest, eh, okay. Um, Clash Heroes, well, everybody excited, me too. Uh, Clash Mini, I was actually super excited. I think uh, there's a there was a big opportunity there. I'm a huge outer chess lover. It was a genre that it seemed that it was going to eat the world back in 2019, and it didn't. Um, so clearly there's an opportunity for a product that disrupts that market and kind of goes on that project, uh, that concept with um, adapting it to the to the maces and to the mainstream audience. Um, and actually, I, I saw a super good fit with Clash IP for some of the reasons that you mentioned, although I have to say that now I have changed my opinion. <laughs> I don't think Clash, I don't think the Clash IP was the appropriate IP for this game okay okay well i i have to say i share your first impression we're probably a very similar type of gamers i as well was looking at the legend of Soulguard, uh, aka clash quest kind of like okay next please clash mini was interesting i'm an auto chess player as well and then clash heroes still waiting that looks dope but hadrian you agree here as well yeah, I do. I do agree. So I've been playing. So when we started this project, I actually started playing TFT. So I, I've been doing the two games in parallel, and uh, the first couple win uh, in TFT, and, and everything was pretty cool. So I, I basically fell in love with the with 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 this game and with 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 the genre. And the first thing that so I was very excited. I didn't like the art direction. Like maybe it's too childish. I think you said the right word. It it it, it is probably a bit childish for a midcore audience. But I was excited because. Supercell has this magic superpower of like taking anything and saying, "Okay, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin it, Supercell style, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make something with it." And the the like the the auto chess genre is it has big issues. I mean, you guys should read the, obviously the deconstructor of an article on the biggest the, the issues were for 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 the, for the genre. And I was waiting for Superset to give us uh, the solution. So wait a minute, hey, and hey, the solution, you said you yeah, got your go on, first go. couple of wins in TFT. What are you talking about? You yeah, won so in TFT. I, <laughs> I actually, I actually won my 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 third what? game. I, I won my third and my fourth back to back, and then I yes. Yeah, so it's very simple. Javi told me you need to play more uh, auto, auto chess <coughs> genre because it's great. I was like, okay, cool, let's let's do it. And when I do something, I'm always very hardcore. So I went on Reddit. I went on forums. 
I got the best builds. I started playing with the ga- the guides and everything, and I got my first wins with two different teams. And the sniper build, the bottom sniper build, very simple in the current in the current meta. And I did an assassin uh, syndicate build, which are the two. And you, that you played this in a hyper roll mode or a just straight up hardcore mode? Straight up hardcore. I went in. Wow. I went in this thing, and then I went in ranked, and I won. I won my two back to back ranks, but it's not too. Impre- I sh- it's not I too impressive. You not. I think I played ten hours before my first win. It's not too impressive if you actually <laughs> follow the the because it's a it's like it's like you guys you guys said it's not it's not midcore it's hardcore you need to go into the the guides and the devs and stuff yeah, but it's, it's I'm MOBA. a it's... I'm a huge RPG player myself so I've been playing Summoners War for years six years and very hardcore top player in here so I'm used to getting getting my info from the internet but yeah but it's a my, great my genre. approach. My approach was was like I would do with an IKEA furniture. Like I do not read the instruction. I just go right in, <laughs> just fail, fail, <laughs> fail. But you know, then start reading the instruction. Playing the two games in parallel was a great experience because you had one was like, oh, this progression, and this is the first thing. This is one of the things that we're probably going to discuss for more, more in the. I'm a huge progression fan. I was like, oh, cool. I have my minis. I want to upgrade them. And TFT was like, TFT was the execution. When 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 Clash Mini was more about no no I'm gonna build my thing I'm gonna build my my hands I'm gonna build my minis my my my, my pool of things I'm gonna use them to beat the opponent when in TFT was more about I'm gonna I'm gonna think about what's the best thing and do it so I think there's a difference between execution and sort of progression in 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 those two games yeah okay that's a, that's an interesting thing you so you started playing TFT on on the side like super hardcore version and the most casual ver- version of auto chess and talking about a TFT like I mean. That game is the best auto chess game out there, but before the China launch, I, what the fucking? It was like a train wreck. Like there were just abysmal numbers on mobile, at least the ones that we can see. And like I'm a big fan of that game. I still keep playing it. But as a product, like looking from a product perspective, it was shit, and it still is. Like it's super complicated. There's a classes, origins, positions, gear, opponents, wallet strategy that you have to go through. Not to mention that in order to win your first match you have to open up this cheat sheet uh, i use the uh, the tft meta uh, website but there's other other ones reddits and you name it hard to get in impossible to master let's just start there <laughs> uh it's um uh, the sessions are horribly long if you play the hardcore mode what's that that's like a 40 minute that's 40 minutes a game yeah so it's like playing 40 minutes a, a game. Legend game yeah it's it's insane on, on mobile uh it will kill your battery there's no social there's absolutely no progression. And just to make it better, they even just throw out the meta and bring in the new one with every season. Um, there's nothing to buy. Like, absolutely nothing. There's, the cosmetics are, are bullshit in that game. I'll, like, it's just these, these funny little characters that are not, like, not fun. If, if at least they would be, you know, a little bit more aggressive because it's a PvP game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we have a little bit of different experience because you won... I always feel like a loser playing that game. I think there's something, you know, some kind of a sad or masochism when you're playing that game. It's like, I know I'm going to be the second in this match, sometimes the seventh, but often the second. And um, challenges, but the hyper roll definitely helped because that reduced the uh, the session length, took away a a lot of the elements, making it more accessible. Um, But nevertheless, numbers were always poor. They still are poor in the West because if you look at it, with League of Legends IP, they got like 90 million installs and maybe about 24 million in net revenue. For Riot, that's a that's a horrific number. But there's the China bot. And the China bot brought in 
insane numbers. Like at the moment, if you can include China, we're looking at 20, 28 million installs with over 100 million of revenue. And they're making about 13 million a month currently in China in net revenue. So it's it's not just like doubling the revenue. It's uh, It went from nothing to a significant game. I haven't played the Chinese version, but there's definitely some kind of a magic. But Javier, you, you, you've been the sort of a master of auto chess. You've been investigating this genre what are the sort of a characteristics uh, of, of these auto chess games and like what has the market looked uh, historically so first first i don't think i'm that good <laughs> the chess probably hadrian based on what he has said he's better than me um but my impression is that these games fit for competitive strategy the kind of role that mova fits for more dexterity or action oriented so both games both moba and um so both genres sorry um both moba and auto chess are super hard to master both are uh complex to enter very difficult to enter especially league of legends um they have a lot of layers of complexity and so on and i think that auto chess makes it even harder because it replaces the layer of execution, the layer of uh, micromanagement and, and having to input stuff for more having uh, having to analyze, check more stats. So the amount of information that auto chess games require you to analyze and to process in order to play effectively, it's, it's huge. Um, I actually have to say, like, I cannot play without any help. Uh, mods or, or or anything because I just cannot manage the volume of information that is involved on any um, single match. Um, now, if you what you're asking me is why this works in the West and why it doesn't work, um, why does it work in Asia? I'm not entirely sure, I, but I think it's very related to the reasons that uh, why MOVA. Uh, has the similar behavior even even more um i think that in the in the west is very uh, those kind of technical games are are pretty inaccessible especially on mobile this is not the, the the very very hardcore audience does not play those games on mobile um while on 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 asia and in particular in china um i think people is more used to have that experience, which in the West we only enjoy on PC, having them on their mobile phones. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing. When I look at the uh, the Chinese revenue numbers, I'm like, what are you guys even buying? Like, I, I don't even know what, what what is being sold in this game because it's clearly not in the store. But but overall, even before this, there there have been some messages coming in from Riot saying that they're happy with this franchise, and there there were you know there were talks that this is a billion dollar franchise. And looking at the, uh, the the mobile numbers, like billion dollars in what time span? Like fifty years? Like 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 what are, what are we talking about? But now that we're looking these at these Chinese numbers, the same thing as with Wild Rift, it changed the game for them. So it's a it's a very interesting to see how well received this game has been in China. And it hasn't been a shark fin like like let's say Brawl Stars, when the game came in, massive shark fin, and then the game just disappears. Uh, in this one, yes, there is a massive increase in revenue during the, uh, the launch week because everybody's buying the Battle Pass. But even on the third month, it kind of picks up. So it goes down, but then it picks I th- up. I, th- I think something that is interesting, and for me it's actually one of the more relevant things within the genre, is 
comparing TFT with Dot Underlords. Dot Underlords, also Supermassive, uh -huh. PC Company, um, they released the game on mobile and the, how the behavior, how both products behaved in mobile is completely different. I think that TFT has something that is very, very good and that aligns a lot with uh, Riot Real Strategy. Uh, which is that TFT has been able to keep players engaged. So even if the game doesn't hasn't in the West hasn't achieved like a major, um, not a huge amount of, of downloads compared to other products, and the revenue it's not that it's not that huge. What TFT has been successful at is at generating a niche audience that is extremely loyal, and actually. In the West, you can see that uh, because if you check the money that the game makes every new every new uh, season with the battle pass, it's actually pretty good and it's actually increasing. Which, meaning that even if the game didn't acquire so many users to begin with, it has been good at transforming them into loyal uh, customers and monetize them progressively. And actually, it is growing. It's just that it's growing very very um, slowly. It's a completely different story with, for example, Dot Underlord. Dot Underlord stopped getting supported uh, as soon as the early metrics were not good. And right now, it's I'm not even sure if Valve is still supporting it because they, they haven't they haven't updated it for for a long time. There's not a not a lot of content uh, no, for the article for sure that I not. did on my blog. We interviewed 300 uh, auto chess players, and they are, those that came from Dot Underlord were entire complaining that. Essentially, Valve had abandoned this game, um, and I think that it says a lot about what's Riot real strategy. You know that um, we see that in some of their new projects, their games, their numbers, sorry, are not that big, and we think, oh, these are failed projects. But actually, they keep investing on them, and they keep focusing on on even if the numbers. In the short term, are not great on building a, a bigger user base, and that eventually makes those games successful. So I think that um, they're, they're, they're very good, and they have a very clear strategy on making their games grow and create a loyal um, community about the, their games. And honestly, I'm, I'm very surprised because it, it's kind of the same story as if, as in Will Rave, right? Like the game was released, and in the West, it doesn't work that good. It's actually one of the smallest uh, movers. But then they keep going and they keep going and they keep going and the game starts to slowly improve and um, has this uh, China accelerator. And I actually think that Will Rift uh, will become the biggest mobile venture. Bigger than Honor of <laughs> Kings? Oh, oh, in the West, yeah. No, no, no. Honor of, Honor of Kings is a, a different story. That That is a, it's a category on its own, but I think that in the West it will become the bigger, the biggest uh, mobile. Yeah, it's a, it's a small pool, though. So... So you, you keep talking about the long term and like the whole strategy. What does this mean yeah. for Clash Mini? Since this was like so th their strategy was like we're creating long term engagement with like those the seasons, the rotational thing, but it's still it's all about the long term, that's what you're saying. Do you think that's like what's what's up with Supercell then? What's what's their plan? So I can give you my two cents. And I, I'm actually interested on in knowing what you folks think about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think what we are seeing right now. It's a very, very, very early stage of the game. Like when I even compare it with other soft launches from Supercell, this either doesn't make any sense or it's a completely different story because 
this game is in a much earlier and prototypish stage than Brawl Stars or Clash Royale when they were soft launch. Even I think it feels even greener than Rush Wars. So I think some of the stuff that we're seeing, such as how it quickly dropped in the ranks, of, in the grossing ranks and everything, I'm not entirely sure if it represents a failure of the game. Like, oh, it's not, it, it cannot keep players engaged. Or it's just like, no, it's, what we're seeing, it's a very early prototype. So really, we cannot expect it to perform good more than two weeks. Yeah. So Mishka, let me give my, my two cents on this. Go ahead, go ahead. Then, like, then I'll rip Javier. Not I'm hot. <laughs> and, uh, so what? what's the, like, when you launch something on self-launch so early in the prototype set is because you want to test something. So what are we trying, like, they tried to test something here. And what, what what did they try to test? The gameplay, the retention, you know, the basically the early hook. And for this, I think it works very well. The the, the current stage of the, uh, the game is, is in works very well to test the Hogan things. And for me, it's because, like, they're going to unveil slowly the plan about the, like, what is their long-term strategy. And maybe we can start already on this uh, and Javier Mishka. And like, like, they already said that their their idea is to do a rotational, seasonal thing, progression. And for me, this game is just like, okay, what do we do? What's the first step when you want to test that? You launch the game just to see if the if the hook is good. And if the hook is good, can we reset this hook? Can we improve this hook on the long term? Or how, we do, how do we make that, that, that this initial that is actually pretty good will work in the long term? That's basically what I, what I think. So I disagree with, with, with what you guys are saying. I think that as of late, all of the Supercell games since pretty much since after Rush War, at least, they have been reliant on user acquisition to grow. The games of organic traffic are gone. Now, when they come out with these games, uh, I think this is definitely more polished, more complete version than Brawl Stars. Because when Brawl Stars came out, they were that was the game when they were testing things. Like They even have multiple different control schemes where they're like, we don't even know how to play this game. Uh, and the theme was totally different. It's like Space Cowboys. It's like it was all over the place compared to where the game is right now. Now, with this game, as well as with Heyday Pop, as well as with um, Ever Dale, uh, as well as with Clash Quest, these are complete games that should be showing promising early metrics for scaling. So they show you they there is complete monetization system, not like. It, it's bare bone-ish, but it is a monetization system that does incentivize you to make a purchase because they want to see the early conversion because they are trying to get the uh, LTV up and get your, your LTV predictions up. They are testing marketing because I'm seeing ads all the time for this game. So they're definitely doing performance marketing. Um, this is this is a complete business case, but but looking at the first part of the game and seeing, does this game have traction? Does it convert early on? Does it have the pull from the IP? So is the IPM low enough? Um, can we can we connect with the right type of audience? And then, of course, looking at the uh, the early retention metrics and making projections based on that is can we hold them? Because of course, Supercell can create more content, more features, etc. But is this a game that that shows you essentially strong D thirty? Because I think every game that comes out of the gate from Supercell is measuring D thirty. D30, LTV, CPI. The, those are like the supercell of today is not the supercell of three years ago. So I, def, I I agree with you on the fact that they are testing the early curve of the lifetime value. Yeah. But what I don't understand, and maybe you folks think different, but I don't think this game has enough content in order to test day 30 retention. Yeah, well, that, I, that's a different I, story. 
I mean, if, if what they want is to see day 30 retention, I see it very problematic. And I understand this idea of, okay, we want to ch check the very beginning of the curve. And I think that has shown very good indicators because the game has a strong conversion power because it has made a lot, a significant amount of revenue um, per user in such a short term. But like, I, I don't think the game has enough content to say anything about day 30. It's clearly not showing any day 30 positive data in the charts because the game is going down in grossing very quick. And in fact, there, there is no nothing to spend to that fosters re, repeated purchases. So it's only testing the conversion, not the RPPU. Um, so I, what I don't fully understand is the testing of, of, of if they are attempting to test the retention because I think that it's only the very early, early, very early curve, and I would say that this product is first not non-representative of what is the potential beyond day fourteen, um, and second, I think that in terms of gameplay, there are a lot of questions for me, or I have a lot of doubts that the game has the ability while keeping the current core gameplay and not adding more mechanics and so on that it has the ability to keep anyone interested for more than one month. Mm, interesting. I think you're right on the gameplay part. That's definitely something that they need to work on. Just think, I mean, not if, if even if we don't have to go thinking about like TFT and stuff, they need at least one or two layers on top of the gameplay to, ma to make it more, things that can interact with each other, like more mechanics, more, more layers, more gameplay bricks. That will actually make this gameplay scale beyond beyond the things. It's like you have the mini, the heroes, the maps, maybe because they already have some. They showed hints of the map being being a make gameplay mechanic. Definitely need more need more layers. And think that would be because again, I'm going back to this, but this this will be cyclical. So that what you need to do is push people to the end. You know, it's a season thing. It's a unit. So you need to test the revenue on the season and then reset this in the hope of getting back this revenue again and being able to do you know to do the loop again to get back to the revenue that we had before and then regenerate this in a in sort of a cyclical manner. And currently I agree with you Javi that the the um, the game doesn't push you more maybe more than 15 days. That's actually what I've been playing. So so let's talk about the uh, <clears throat> let's talk about the uh, the gameplay layers because this is a much more casualized version and also <clears throat> when we were talking about the the numbers and Javi said like the game had great early traction. It did have a great early traction when I'm looking at the uh, revenue per download which is of course not the right type of an indication for a new game. Nevertheless, it had a pretty good numbers for Canada. Finland does not account because everybody plays this game. It's the home turf. Uh, they got a bunch of ballers at the studio who can, who can drop in a couple of grand, no problem. So that doesn't count. Canada is definitely a good indication. And, and the game scaled nicely. The CPI was, was good. The revenue is higher than the amount of downloads. So those are good early indications. Uh, the early indications from Singapore, which kind of indicates the, uh, the the success in Asia, are bad. And then also important, when you're looking at the Finland numbers, you have to look at the other Nordics. So all the countries with a cross in their flag, you put them all together and you notice that Finland is like a totally different, in a totally different sphere than Norway, Denmark, and Sweden, which are closer together in terms of uh, what the real appeal is for a non-home-based audience. So anyways, gameplay has way less layers. No items, which is the most important part in Teamfight Tactics. I remember when I was getting my ass handed to me, uh, a designer told me, like, what's your item build? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about, dude? 
<laughs> I, I do think that nice. removing I do think that removing the, the <laughs> items has been a good a good uh, a good move. And actually, yeah. Hearthstone, Hearthstone right. also doesn't have move. Uh, sorry, doesn't have items. And yeah, so so that is that's a definitely a big big move of depth. Uh, there's no classes and no origins. I do have to say that that even an origin or something like that would have been a nice touch. You know, like goblins are playing well together or barbarians or something. Like it would be at least some kind of a motivation to build my deck to a certain type of direction. But I get it. The decks are also tiny. They're even smaller than in Clash Royale. We're talking about a deck of six. Uh, there's no and resource one management. Of, and one of yeah. them is the uh, one of them is the hero. Exactly. 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 Quote hero. Uh, we'll talk about that too. So there's no resource management really. There's the elixir, but it's it's not really the same thing as as with uh, with auto chess games. The upgrading is much easier. You don't have to have a a three to make one. Uh, it's just one on one, and then you you upgrade the uh, the character. The game is one versus one all the time. Even when you play the rumble mode, which is more like a tournament mode, it's still one versus one. Versus in a in an auto chess, the whole idea is there's multiple game boards happening at the same time, and it's like playing chessboard in a in Saint Petersburg on a on in a park where there's all the chess masters playing against each other, and you're moving along and you're taking your chessboard from one player to another, and everybody plays differently, and it's like highly engaging. It's hard to even comprehend who you're playing with and what build is that guy doing versus the other one, and so forth. Here is just one mano y mano. You do it, and then you win, and then to the next one. And it's kind of because yeah. you, because of, I think that because you pre play with a preset deck, yeah. you cannot adapt to what you find in the what you find in the rumble so even if you see that another player is going for a specific build not necessarily that there are a lot of builds to go for in the yeah. game but if even if if you see that oh you know this char- this, this guy is going for a you know a stunner with the guy of the ball with the ball and everything um you cannot change your units because they are predefined. You you set them up before. Yeah. And there's a lot of, another layer which I think it's actually a big mess. Um, probably not as big as not having classes, but um, which is that there is no component of shared pool in many yes. auto chess many auto chess yeah. games. There's a lot of strategy of what picks do I take? Not necessarily because I want the unit, but because I want to deny the unit from somebody else, and there's also decisions that I have to make on, hey, I cannot go for this build anymore because this other guy got this specific unit, so that's going to make my build inviable. And uh, I think and that's, that, the, that has that's the appeal. That's the appeal of TFT. For like, I know we're making a, a comparison and they're totally different audiences, but that's the appeal with TFT is it's, you're playing a 4D chess that is a combination of chess and poker. At the same time, because you're, or in even blackjack, like you're doing your card counting, you're trying to understand what other player is trying to, to build. And it's just, it's so, it has so many layers and it's, it's like, it, it really challenges you, right, Adrian? To some, to some extent, when I play Clash Mini, I feel like I'm playing TFT in a mode where I'm only executing my strategy. I'm like, my, my plan is to execute the thing that I have in mind and I'm going to do it. No matter what, so I'm like, I'm gonna put my defender here or my healer behind. It's always the same sort of logic. Yeah. Maybe you change a little bit the sides just to adapt a little bit on some units that will go into certain sides, but that's it. And it, in TFT, this is how I win. But it's like very new, basic, casual thing. You execute your strategy, 
but this will get countered pretty heavily at some point by people that actually do play the pool game, actually do play the item games. Like, so it's it's getting it's getting thing. It's, it's getting yeah, that's a, that's a good point. There's there's not a lot of uh, in Clash in, in Clash Mini. There's not a lot of uh, thinking that goes in. There there might be the miner that goes in and then try to attacks your attacks your archer from the background. And then you, what you do is you move the pet guys. They're down like your top, uh, like their your bottom unit. And suddenly the other uh, pecker kills the other uh, miner, and and you're good. And then, and that's it. And you, and, and you don't feel like, oh my god, I outsmarted that that guy. Just, you're like, all right, mm, okay. Also, we, we, you can't remove, we can't really remove that because the fact that there is, there is a pre-built is the bet that Supercell is trying to make by putting by putting this outside of the core gameplay and putting it back in the meta. Yeah. Then you can do upgrades, then you can do progression, then you can do resets, and you can do all of that. So that's the bet. And so, what would you do, Javi? Well, I mean. First of all, that there are ways to oh, how they could add shared pool if they were interested. Because, for example, people could go with their collection that get mixed, and the pool or only a fraction of the pool is is shared, and you have other. So, for example, you could bring your units, but also have slots that are from the shared pool units. So they could still like these are mechanics that could be introduced. Um, but I, I think that one of the decisions that uh, the game makes is a lot of the the units have been removed from a lot of depth, so the units have simpler behaviors than the, than similar units in other games, and a lot of that has been replaced by placement, uh, by um, depth on the placement. So there's a lot of mind games on what uh, the other player is going to do, what what I'm, I'm where do I place place my units? And the so goblin. A lot, uh, there's a component even of poker of uh, where the other guy is going to place the goblin. Uh, so I take a decision, and, and there's a lot of mind games like that, and that's cool. The problem is that that doesn't scale. That has very limited depth. So it it is a layer of depth, but to think that the entire depth of the game uh, it can be sustained just by that. I think it's it's problematic. I think this is something that can be key. That this is something that could be even very fun to watch um, as an spectator, and then oh, boom, the reveal, and and that it's like the reveal in in poker. But I think that as a layer of mastery that has limited depth, um, and the game right now does not have because of the deck size, because of the um, complexity of the units themselves. It doesn't have a lot of depth on the on the team on the team building inside the match, and that's everything in in these types of games. That's um, true. So I think you that, even that, finished that, the game. What I would expect is that they need to add more mechanics there, and they need to make that deeper or create new game modes or what. They need to take actions to make that area of the game deeper if they want to keep players um, interested. Because as it is right now, um, it's not only on the pace of collection, but I've been playing as a free-to-play because I cannot pay. Um, for one month, I have everything pretty much maxed out. Um, no reason to explore other strategies. I always find the same dominant strategies, usually defined by one or two specific units. So not... At, at the moment that I am, the game is not very imaginative. Um, my question is, how much do they need to break and iterate on the core gameplay to make the game deeper so that it's sustainable over time? 
Um, and then another topic is the amount of content, the, the volume of content that this game requires, which we can enter at it at some point because I think this is a big topic. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think then? So, so just to go back to the uh, the game as at a core itself, it reduced significantly the size of your deck, and it added uh, an element of a hero. Now, what do you guys think about the uh, the hero? I mean, it doesn't do. It's, it's just another. It's mini. another unit. Yeah, it's another glorified mini. But the the, differ- the difference there is that yes, it is another unit, and it's not really you know. Uh, in terms of power, it's not that powerful of a unit that that could ch- sway the uh, the the match. But it's also the only one that whose progress the player can keep because in this game, the progress resets every season. So essentially, just like in NFL or, or NBA or FIFA, at the end of the season, all the upgraded minis go back to a zero. And you're essentially starting to build your deck from the beginning. The only thing that you keep is the level of your heroes. And that essentially helps you to, you know, get the early wins compared to uh, compared to the new players. As well as the unlocks. And I think that the unlocks are pretty important because I suspect that the... <laughs> this is me going tinfoil hat. Uh, but I think that the new units will be introduced on the pass with the pass system. And they will not be as easy to access as they are right now. I'm saying just that based on the fact that the P.E.K.K.A. is on the Battle Pass. So in order to unlock, you need to progress on the Battle Pass. It's right now fairly accessible, but I could see in the future where just uh, having the unlocked units already gives you more strategies right away and uh, already gives you a head start on creating the the strategies that are going to be dominant on a specific season. But yeah, I agree. The hero is there. It kind of seems that it fits more an opportunity related to monetization rather than to gameplay, no? Because actually I could say that there is stuff that it's even negative on having permanent, on the way the the, uh, heroes are set up right now because now I don't have any incentive to play with multiple heroes. In fact, my incentive is to play always and upgrade only a specific hero. Yeah, and then we get back to the uh, the, the basically. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the progress. So I think what was interesting in the article is you wrote about the other uh, supercells classic progress model. So just to paraphrase it, you have this long, linear, well designed and handcrafted progression that is structured around trophy road, and essentially is maxing out the content. Then you end up reaching the competitive levels, the leagues, uh, and that's when you get to the trophy resets. That you, that's when you get to the metro rotation, and the the what where where this sort of a supercells classic progression model is so good at is that it, it gives you that well polished early and mid experience, and because players are going through these nods of the battle pass, or sorry, the uh, the pass system. Uh, they are. They, it's easier to tune the economy based on where the players are at in that, in that, uh, in their path, because everybody goes through the same path, and that's what you feel a lot with, especially the newest Supercell games, where that doesn't have that much content. It feels it feels very handheld how you go through the game for the first thirty days, and that just again, uh, just so that they can manage the game uh, operations easily and, and optimize those numbers. But where the problem becomes is the end game because it turns super grindy. Uh, since you've built the experience around introducing new innovative content that comes in as you move through the battle pass, 
or through the uh, the past system. And then when when that that trophy road ends, there's nothing new coming out, and you're like, okay, well now the game expects me to play in a certain different way, uh, and the progress is presented me to a, to a different way. So that turns the end game grindy and kind of takes away to some player the monetization aspect as well as the retention aspect. Was I correct in kind of paraphrasing what you guys wrote? Okay, so so um, Mini solved this with a season road and quests. Can you talk about that? So yeah, maybe. So in in Mini, with the, the thing that is very interesting is like, and so the goal, the whole of the details are basically on the article, but the the overall thing is that your progression is a seasonal progression. So your goal is basically to maximize the you what you're gonna do in the season. This is why the battle pass thing that they have, it's a little bit, it's something that we discussed with, with, with Javier before. It's like in Heyday Pop, the main progression was on the battle pass. And basically what they're trying to do is the same idea, but on a mid-core genre. So all your progression goes around this battle passing. So you have to interact with it in order to progress because this is those, this is where the minis are. This is what the upgrades are. Also a little bit on the mission system, but the missions gives you basically progress to the battle pass. So what this is, this is basically what's in the game right now. And why is it so clever, in my opinion, is that instead of instead of going to this like linear progression with the end like this, they are thinking that we're going to build a cyclical model. They're going to reset every time, and people are going to have to re-engage to keep their pace at the same level as what they were before. To give you an example of why this is something that we've already seen, and this is what I call um, monet- progression-based monetization, basically. Instead of, thing- instead of thinking, like, we're going to go gacha, because this game has no gachas. If you want minis, you don't have gachas. You have to interact with the battle pass. So this is another tech. So there's no repeat purchase. It's engagement. You always have to engage with the game in order to get value to and, and, and to get to get better stuff. So another game that does this very well is Battle Legion. And I'm going to go a little bit on a rant about, about this thing. Battle Legion has a battle pass-based also progression. The way this works is like inside the battle pass, you have artifacts and door artifacts are the thing that's making you competitive. And those artifacts are season, seasonals. So every season will have his own set of, of, of those artifacts. And if you want to maximize your progress in your competitiveness and keep progressing at the same pace, you have to have to engage with the battle pass. And this is a bit what Mini tries to do. They're basically telling you, you want to keep progressing, you want to get the upgrades because your minis are going to get reset all the time. You're going to keep them, but you're going to have to upgrade them again. You want to keep progressing, you're going to keep being competitive, you're going to have to engage with the battle pass again, convert on the long term, so get those 10 or 15 or 12, 12 dollars all the time to get, get those repeated purchases every two, two, two or one month. I'm not, I'm not sure how, how much the season is going to last. And this is how they want to build their, their thing. So they are working on a sort of cyclical thing. The problem, and I'm, I'm seeing you, uh, Javi, coming with that, is that the problem with this thing, which is a great idea in my opinion, I think it's great. It's a great quest to pursue, uh, you know, pun intended, is that basically you're throwing your new player into this mid-season. They're getting thrown into the full content right away. And like, hey, you know, there's all of these things and you don't have the upgrades yet, but don't worry, this is going to reset in two weeks. Just think of a new player that's going to starting at the end of the season. What's going on with that? Like the guy's starting and then he has like everyone is so much better than him, and then you have to engage with the thing until the next reset to be able to fully uh, to fully see uh, to fully uh, you know experience the game. So this is I think what they're trying to build. And I think for me, if we have to if I have to recall one thing from this game, it's this. It's the intention that Supercell had in the past with Heyday Pop that we've seen to build a sustainable monetization based on engagement and progression. And this is this is gone through, this is done through the battle pass system. In my honest opinion, 
But this is what I think is they are trying to build. And this is why mini resets. This is why there's a little bit less death. This is why the C, the league system is a bit not fleshed because it's going to be working. This is why all of the game is built around this idea of sort of resetting all the time. And this is why the minis have the stars and the upgrade that you get and everything. So this is my two cents on what's going on with this whole game. I'm, I'm dropping a bit of bomb here, but I'm, I, would, I would like to have your guys' opinion on all of that. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and regain control over distribution, Exola WebShop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash D-O-F, or go to the link in this podcast description. Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation, talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15-30 to second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience and media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or go to the link in this podcast description below. Now back to the episode. What's well, I want to hear your opinion on Battle Legion. Like that game didn't really monetize or scale. Well, do you think that they that, that taking this system off the Battle Legion is a smart approach? 
I think it's I think Battle Legion was trying to do the same thing, and maybe Supercell has it like with the auto chess genre, maybe it's gonna work a little bit better because now it's not Battle Legion was trying to do a hybrid sort of Frankenstein situation because you still have to progress with your unit and stuff, but this didn't get resets. So you were on a crash trial pass, but there was the there was the soft the soft ring was only on the competitiveness of things, and now it's not only competitiveness that's getting resets; it's the whole progression. You're doing this all over again. So I think that's an interesting take from Battle Legion. Battle Legion, it's good that they didn't do so well at the at the end, but the the idea, the you know the the seed of everything is interesting in my opinion. Very very smart company. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, Finnish company, by the way, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. We have a deconstruction <laughs> on there. <laughs> kudos, kudos to them. Then. Yeah. Going, going back to Clash Mini, um, I just wanted to add. I, I think that this is a similar case to what we spoke on Everdale. That they identified um, a problem on the on the uh, player market, and then they remove it. But actually, that removed uh, something that was actually valuable. And I think that the Decisions on Clash Mini are very influenced by learnings that have been extracted from Clash Royale. Clash Royale has significant problems on adding new content, and in fact, gameplay-wise, it actually has similarities with the system in the sense that the new units that are generated, a lot of them, they are versions of units that existed before. It's actually also a problem that it's something that is happening as well in Brawl Stars. But for example, if you look at Clash Royale, you have the Valkyrie, and then you have the Super Valkyrie, which is the Valkyrie with some stuff. Like this could be fed into a model where it was a revamp of the a seasonal revamp of the Valkyrie, and it, it would actually fit much better um, gameplay-wise. And actually, if we look at other games like TFT, they kind of do this thing where at the beginning of a season you need to because of the rebalances and things that they have changed, you need to master again the units that you already had mastered. Even if you don't complete the progression, you still have to master them. Uh, so I think it, it that makes sense. Uh, for me, the biggest issue with this is that this model makes you have to equalize the experience for the end game player and for the starter player. And in this game, in TFT, they equalize the experience to the veteran player. So as a new player, you need to you play with the same exact content as a veteran player, despite the fact that the veteran player is much better at understanding everything than you. So you don't understand anything. Um, well, Adrian does, but nobody else I mean, does, right? I'm um, reading guides, not understanding. But in Clash Mini, <laughs> the, the equalization happens to the minimum, minimum denominator. So you, you enter as a new player, and everything is fairly understandable. But if you're a player that are, is fairly advanced, you're having the same exact content and the same amount of complexity uh, that a new player. And for you, it's actually too little complexity. I think that one value that Clash Royale had is, was the fact that uh, first, during the progression, you had quick revamps of the of the meta that happened naturally over the progression as new cards were introduced. So you mastered the meta of the first arena in the first week, and then you went into the second arena and new units were introduced and that changed the meta. And you went several times through these mid very time limited metas until you reach the end game and by the end game you have a lot of content you can manage a lot of complexity so the game can throw a lot of complex stuff at you and that means that Clash Royale is easy to enter but at the same time is deep enough 
this equalization, the, I think that the biggest problem that it has on Clash Mini at the moment is that it makes that the game is accessible for everyone, uh, but it stays like that. It doesn't add more complexity. And uh, I think that personally, my own opinion is that they have went too radical with that and probably they need to add some kind of onboarding season and maybe not have it as long and generate all the problems that it has on Clash Royale where at the end of the game you have so much content that any rebalances or any addition of new content is super problematic, but you still need some onboarding. And right now the game basically doesn't have any onboarding. Aren't, aren't we seeing hints of what they want to do though with that? Because the gameplay, like the gameplay new mechanics, which are the ball thing, even if they are very small, very not like efficient, they are per league, if I remember correctly. So it's like, and leagues don't get reset. You stay, you stay on the leagues. That's what they said. So I think they are trying. They are aware of that, uh, Javi. That's like they, you don't want your late, late, late game players to come back to early stage and playing like you. You, you want them to hit, still feel good, still feel like it's competitive. And I think they're they're gonna probably try to do this because if they reset everything, they can't do this with the units. That's the problem. The the only thing that you keep as a late game player is that you have the units. That's what you said. But this is gonna last what half of the season, quarter of the season, and then everyone will get chopped at some point. So. What they're gonna, I think they're going to try to do is doing it by the leagues. Like if you, the more you progress on the leagues, the more gameplay you have because of those leagues are unlocking some sort of gameplay. And this is where I would, if I want, if you want to keep pursuing this model of seasonal thing, which is a great idea, if I make my, my opinion, I would try to go for like progression, like competitive progression based mechanics. They're going to change a bit the way you play. So like though you need that before this goblin was doing that, and now because of this mechanic that we have. You, you have to play it in a different way because the goblin that you used to know, even if it does the same thing, it's not being used the same way. And this is what I would try to do to, to, to remove a little bit this, this part. I don't know if this is making any sense, uh, Javi. I completely yeah. agree with you. I think that <laughs> um, it would make sense that, for example, leaks unlock uh, content. Um, that doesn't happen at the moment. Uh, so uh, at the moment, uh, units are unlocked through different means. I don't think it's related to trophies, or at least it's not explicit in the game. Uh, and although I don't think they are, go or at least they have uh, hinted that um, low leaks will not suffer a reset. Um, it's it's not very clear. And actually, this they is said that you come back to the like if you're silver, if you're silver three, when the leak when the thing resets, you go back to silver. This is what I understood from the video. That yeah, uh, an important information thing. Information from Supercell, yeah, please. An important thing that uh, I think it, it, um, it's interesting for people to be aware is that a lot of the stuff that we are talking here about season resets and, and so on, the details have not yet been provided. What They have hinted stuff, but there is not a clear... So I don't think anybody other than them, maybe not even them, knows exactly what's going to happen when the first season starts because now we're in a pre-season uh, but what's going to happen when, the, when it ends we know that they are going to reset the the perks or so the grades of the of the minis but nothing else change them also I think. nothing else it's it's pretty it's clear and in fact that that actually is concerning because depending on how ambitious is that reset uh, we could end up with a demand of content that I'm not entirely sure how they are going to fit without reevaluating the cell structure. Yeah. What I mean by the season thing, and like it's true that we're talking a lot about, about this because that's a little bit theory, a bit of theory crafting from my part. But what if you look at the game through this lens, through this lens, like the possibility of what it's going to be, 
I think it makes sense the way it's designed currently. If you think of it like, okay, they're, they're, this is because it's seasonal. You're like, okay, all of the systems that look like, why is it not like Crash Royale? Why is it not like progression-based? It makes sense because of the lens that you put it on, because of the seasonal layer that I think they're trying to put on. That's my, that's my two cents. But still, all of the problems that you're seeing are, are true. Like, what about, what about the Glad game? What about the early game? What about the content treadmill? There's a lot of discussion here. Ultimately, I think that the, the structure that they are adding, the progression structure and everything, it's much more sustainable. And it would make a lot of sense in Clash Royale. Um, it's, a, it's a structure to that, at least I think, that it can make the game sustainable. It could help it uh, be interesting for years. The problem is that the other half of the topic is that you need to have a game that is able to be interesting for for years, not only a system that is able to sustain it. Exactly. So, so there's so you a, need more content. So, so you like the, uh, the definitely the uh, the resetting of the season, and it could really work with with Clash Royale game, uh, but with this one because there's the game is still not done and doesn't you know possess the same type of retention or the content amount. It's hard to see the system working as it is right now, right? Uh, yeah, but th- yeah, yeah, the numbers that we are currently seeing—the you know sharp, the, like fast climb—it's basically, specifically in Finland, and then it goes down. It's basically because of this, because you're like you need to have the fast climb sustained until the season reset to get the fast climb again. You know what I mean? It's like it's a cyclical thing, and that the current the units, like you're testing units of times, and this unit, this box where you're testing the meta, what do they're currently doing? It's not sustaining what they want because it's not the length is not good enough. You need to be able to reach those two months, uh, two months uh, resets that, that they're looking for. But I'm yeah. interested in knowing what you think about the reset, Miska. It's true, Miska. What do you think? Well, I haven't experienced it. It's really hard because uh, we're talking theoretically what could, what it could be. I haven't like I don't know how will I feel when everything is being reset. Uh, there's a high chance that I will churn. But the problem is, I've already churned. Uh, so, so, so it's exactly. kind of the game. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I would, as as we said in the beginning, the game was exciting. I've uh, been playing a lot of auto chess, and I thought this this brings the happy medium between the complicated auto chess of, of Riot and the sort of accessible, people friendly auto chess of um, of a Supercell. Uh, but it's just it's it's too simple for me. It's too much of a Clash Royale. It's like a turn-based Clash Royale, which makes a Clash Royale worse. Uh, there's nothing new in this game. There's a couple of characters that are straight up boring. They're just like, you know, I'll just just boring. This is not 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 interesting. And then Clash Clash has so many cool units uh, that that they could you know draw from. It's hard to understand what how the units perform in the sense that there are some units that have a super clash power that they say, and then others don't. And it's like, there's no rhyme or reason why this happens. Uh, it, it feels like this game is, is in, you're saying it's in a pro, like it's in an early stage of a prototype. I wouldn't say this. I just say that it's not, <sighs> this is horrible to say, but this is me just as a, as a game developer, I would say fucking awesome job. This is great job, guys. Um, I would launch this game if it was my game. As uh, as it, it, when putting the uh, the game critic hat and putting the supercell game critic hat, which is like, is this a billion dollar game? It's like I would say this is not well designed. It's not it's not throughout designed with the character. Like you can see it with the characters, 
there's there's a lot of things that have been just chopped off the the chopping block of a of a of a of an auto chess game and uh, sort of a kind of you know fitted Clash Royale into an auto chess genre. Pretty much what we predicted already when we wrote that um, ten years of excellence article in the beginning of 2020 was that Supercell will launch an auto chess game. This wasn't the type of an auto chess game that I was imagining. I was imagining something much cooler. I was actually imagining going a little bit hardcore with the uh, with the with the Clash characters because this is a niche genre. So it's it's. It's weird. It's weird on all levels. It's weird on product positioning. It's like I'm trying to broaden the Clash appeal. So you make a a puzzle game with Clash. Makes sense. Broad audience. But in this sense, it's like I want to broaden the Clash appeal. So I'm going to pick the nichest of the niche audiences, the auto chess players, and introduce them a dumbed down version of an auto chess. It's like, what? Who's going to... Or I'm going to introduce... A turn-based Clash Royale to existing Clash Royale players? Like, why? Who likes turns? Turns is boring. Turns is is board gaming. It's like it's it's super gamer. So, so these are the confliction that I'm having in my head. But again, as a game maker and game developer, I think this is an awesome, awesome um, approach at trying to cash make make something more accessible. If you know what I mean. So, if I can enter there. <laughs> um... First, I think that the seasonal reset is going to be very influenced uh, by how repetitive it is versus the previous season. If it's just how I think it's going to be, uh, just some some uh, minis change a little bit and become the dominant ones, and then essentially you play the same game as you played the previous season, a lot of people is going to churn because they are not going to... I mean, it's going to be the repetition. And then the second topic of... Uh, so that means that the depth of, of every season and the requirement of content is huge. Um, and then the second thing, which is, is this a turn pay? Is this, is this a water it down Clash Royale? Um, I think that this game could become, oh, at least has the potential to become uh, um, something that uh, teams up with Clash Royale. So I am about to churn in Clash Royale. I find another game within the uh, Supercell ecosystem that fits the same kind of audience uh, but provides me different content. Right now, I don't think this is achieved because first, it's the same content, so it's the same units, very similar behaviors, and that's actually why I think that the Clash IP, on retrospective, I believe that the Clash IP is not the right IP for this game. And actually, my advice for the devel- for the devs would be to move it to a shared Supercell universe and add Units from Brawl Stars are units from Rush Wars that allow to introduce new mechanics that players from Clash Royale have not seen yet to make it more different so that if I'm about to turn one game, I find differential factors here that make make it worth going into. Um, And also, they need to empower the mechanics that make it different from Supercell. Like we said, that they have removed a lot of the stuff that makes Auto Chess different from Clash Royale. Otherwise, it's kind of the same thing, but without one plus, which was the real-time thingy. And then, ultimately, I, I I agree with something that you said, which is the fact that the game is probably targeting more casual, to be more casual than what it should be. Uh, this game is because of the core mechanics, because the gameplay is not based on execution, it's based on analyzing. It has to be more complex than Clash Royale. You cannot 
keep players engaged for the same time by removing one big layer of mastery, which was execution, and not providing them with something harder to master. Uh, and I think this is the biggest missed opportunity of the game right now. Yeah, it's it's a turn-based clash royale. Like I don't know how to how to put it the other ways. It's just it is, and it has, and it's a dumbed-down version of clash royale because it doesn't have the tower. It doesn't have the mechanic of of anticipating what the other player does and kind of countering on the fly and and doing those those you know that the hyper engaging gameplay it also is not the typical auto chess where where i'm playing tft i'm kind of like tft and chill if you know what i mean it's just like okay it's going to be a little bit of a longer session you can lean back a little bit like uh, adjust yourself on the sofa and like let's go let's let's go and there's always the element of randomization of, of randomness and, and it kind of happens as well when you play clash royale because every opponent that you get is like oh i got it this guy he has the uh uh, he he used the uh, the cannon giant strategies like I know how to play against this. Oh, he has the crossbow. I know how to play this. Oh, he he tries to serve me. I know how to play this. Like there's there's always like the random opponent, and this one is just the, it's like slowed down from the clash royale pace, and you kind of know how the match is gonna go already from the from the get go. It's um, it's it's like I I found it hard to play after a week. I'll be honest. Like as we. You know, as you guys were writing this, I was just trying to play, just forcing myself with reminders, like, Doug, let's do a couple of matches of, <laughs> of Clash Mini. And it was just like, and it has the same balancing that Supercell has in all their games, where it's like 50% win or lose, just random. Just ra- like 50% always. Like, oh, win, lose. It's just like, what are we doing here? I can't even get a proper winning streak going because it's just so random. Yeah, a little so. bit. A little bit. That's so, my player rant. What I would what I would say for them, like add two layers. Those two layers needs to be compatible with the season reset because if this is what they're going for, it needs to be tech, like you know, it needs to be linked to that. Uh, figure out how to solve what Javi was saying about the season resets. What about new players? What about late game players? <laughs> like how how do they interact with all of that? And this is basically what I would do if I was like right now uh, doing doing Flash Mini. So more layers, and not necessarily mini layers. I don't think maybe mini more depth for sure, but I think those two new layers on the on the core could mm-hmm. be something else, probably. Yeah, I think that what it is in the game right now, it will be cool for three, four days as an introduction to what the real game is about. Uh, so, for example, stuff that would not would not completely break the core that they have right now is, for example, if players would unlock more slots for the deck as they progress. Uh, yeah. And you start with six units or five units and, and a hero, but then you upgrade to uh, six units, uh, sorry, to um, nine units and then 15 units. If that, for example, would make it, uh, would give you more depth, would make the matches more interesting because you would, would take decisions to um, adapt your strategy and they could progressively unlock modes with shared pools and stuff like that. My point is that the complexity does not have to be does not have to be locked at the point where it is right now, which is unable to uh, keep players interested. They could add uh, additional merge mechanics on top of that, which are unlocked eventually. Um, Make stuff the like extra that. matter a little bit more too. So my, I I think that the game has something that it's and and I. I wouldn't want to miss this point, but I think that it has something that is cool, which actually seen 
when when you watch streamers play, the fact that they are streaming and then they stop to think what they are going to do. And I think that that is something valuable. Not a lot of games um, make you stop talking because you are thinking on all the possibilities. And I think that's cool. I think that's lost pretty fast too. So I think if they are able to keep that moment where the streamers stop talking and have to think and they, they can extend it uh, for more days, um, I think that could be um, that could be very interesting. At the moment with the size of u- amount of units and so on, it happens to me a little bit what Miska said, like I see the units that the other player has deployed on the first round and I pretty much know what is going to be the strategy. In fact, the heroes actually are a bit of a problem there because as soon as I see the countess, I know what my strategy is going to be. It's about going to counter the the countess. As soon as I see the electric uh, magician, I know what my strategy is is going to be about. Um, and having more units and maybe even not not have different heroes so that they are, don't structure that much what are going to be the companions of that hero could also open the possibilities for different strategies and so on. But the first three yeah. days are pretty good. <laughs> okay, so an- another thing that we haven't discussed is just just even not even discussed it in the uh, in the uh, deconstruction is kind of zooming out and looking at at the uh, at the company level because we're what we're trying to here discuss is how they can turn this game around because it has a promising start but doesn't seem to hold um, as well as even Clash Royale. Now, um, the, uh, the the point here being is that Supercell has a very uh, spotty history of either working on a game for a really long time until it ships, Brawl Stars being a great example, uh, down to games that they were killed after one update, Rush Wars being another example. So the question is, like, how, how long will they keep supporting and how much are they willing to restructure this game? Because what happened with Brawl Stars was fantastic. Like They changed everything about that game. From from the look and feel to core gameplay to progression metas multiple different times. Now the question is, will they do the here the same? Because our hypothesis is that the the theme is is very childish. Um, that that the core is handicapped by making it too casual, where it's going to be problematic to add more content. There are some good innovations like the. Uh, like the resetting of the season or using the uh, the coin to enter competitive mode, which is both good and bad. We can talk about that as, as well. Uh, but but overall, how how willing Supercell is in, in looking this game through and does it make sense in the Clash universe? And secondly, how come Supercell is launching this now? Riot launched their auto chess game about three months since it blew up in, in Twitch. Supercell is launching their auto chess games about two years since everybody forgot about auto chess. Like that's a that's a pretty worrisome speed. I don't think that last part is a problem. I actually think it's a benefit. It's a benefit. Okay. A lot of I think that a lot of the auto chess projects failed because they launched too soon. So they copied pretty much the original title and they copied a lot of the problems with it. Even TFT has a lot of it has a lot of innovations compared to the original yeah. auto chess, but still it has a lot of limitations because they didn't iterate a lot of against it. Um, so I think that 
having so, a so, more groom being a latecomer in this genre, I don't I don't think it's a it's a problem. I would think it's a problem if there is already one title that is eating everything. So yeah. uh, Fortnite, if he had missed its spot close to when uh FG was released, Fortnite would be ended. But uh this is not this situation. The situation in Auto Chess has been that nobody has been able has been able yet to crack what, how to make that into a successful product, excluding TFT because it's a bit of a different story. But yeah. um, nobody has cracked that that puzzle. I think. But is that, is that this is, not, is this the result of a year plus thinking on how to make a better design than TFT? Mm. You think you think it's, it takes too much no, time? No, that no, but definitely you, not. You, okay, because <laughs> that's a, that, that's the case. Like if this is a game that got spawned up uh, just recently and they built this quickly and they were like, "Hey, I think this makes sense," and they put it into the market, that's impressive. But if it's a game that's been in development for two years and they've been, you know, really analyzing the uh, the 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 auto chess market playing every game in the auto chess and be like, this is it. Now we've cracked the, uh, the egg and this is how it works. Then that means they've kind of exhausted all of the, uh, all of the thinking around it. You know what I mean? I hope it's not a two years project. Yeah. yeah. So we, we don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a question mark, but, but, but yeah. Um, do you, do you guys want to talk about a little bit about the, uh, the coin system? Because I, I found the coin being very interesting. So you have a challenge coin that allows you to play the competitive mode. And unlike in Clash Royale, where every mode is competitive mode or you're just wasting your time, uh, in this one, there's a specific amount of, of sort of a daily challenge games you can play. And through that, they're kind of uh, battling the, uh, the competitive exhaustion that can come in with it. So to some extent, since the leagues are not really ready yet, and the thing is not really prepared for that, I it's not making any uh, big, big difference in my in my own player experience. I haven't been like I was either always in casual or removing uh, always in ranked or removing the coins just to do my missions and then coming back to do the the coin thing, which is probably what they what what it, what it was intended to do. In the in the in the context of a seasonal reset, maybe it does make sense because you have like limited uh, limited tries to climb the thing before the thing before the before the readable resets. So this would make some sort of sense. Um, at the beginning, I thought it was a monetization feature to say you know you want to you want to keep sort of retries and then you're gonna you're gonna have to pay to be to be able to climb. Um, in my player sort of sessions and like session lengths and everything, I think it didn't matter too much in in my opinion. So, Javier, do you have another opinion on that? I think it's a mechanic that at the moment doesn't make any sense because it's a, why would you want to get, I mean, it could make sense eventually. Now, right now, as you said, there's no reason at all to play leaks because they give you nothing. They unlock nothing. So they're kind of there. So having a gate for something that I don't care about. Okay. Um, having a, a different, being able to play casual or to play ranked, I think that's a great thing. I think that is something that I'm missing in Brawl Stars and in Clash Royale because that disincentivizes me from testing new stuff in Clash Royale or um, Brawl Stars because losing it's it's uh, harmful to my scores. Um, and here it, it's something that fosters exploration. I think it's a that's a good move. With the coin, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I do think that at the end of the day, it's a, it's a matter of monetization. Uh, so what this is going to make because for casual players, this is not going to be relevant. Uh, 
you simply play the other mode and that's it. But for very engaged, super competitive players, if you have a limited amount of coins, then losing one match is is worth paying a lot of money. And it also means that if you want to be high on the leaderboards, you will buy every single thing in the game that provides you more coins. So I think ultimately it's something regarding monetization. It's just that, that maybe at uh, at this specific moment, the all the puzzles, all the pieces have not yet f- f- uh, fall together. Um, so I don't know about the challenge coin. I don't, I'm not sure if it's a good innovation or not. I think that it's going to piss players off. Not entirely sure if the game needed it right now. Uh, but the separation between castle and ranked, I think that's pretty good. If it's inside the unit of it's like a time-limited experience, when you have, I have two weeks to climb, I have one season to climb and everything, and then this gets reset, so I'm going to lose this thing. This type of mechanic, that's like, it's a bit like the battle pass, because the battle pass is like a finite, it's like it's like a, a, a big block of things that you can unlock, but that's that fixed, that's a fixed amount. And so it's also a bit like the same for the challenge coins. It's a fixed amount of progression. If you win everything, or if you lose, it's still a fixed amount of progression you're going to get in a limited amount of times. The thing is, because right now we don't have this limited amount of times and there's no leagues, there's no season, or not yet, well, you don't really need this this gate, in my opinion. I think, Javi, you said it very well. All right, so let's let's bring this baby home and let's talk about like what would be the things. Like, like you're coming in, you have three things you can change. And somebody says, Javi... You got six months to turn this baby around, or Hydrian, six months. What are we doing? You want My to talk things. Yeah, go on. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Be, oh, you want to go first? You clearly know what needs to be done. Let's go. He knows. One would be um, add more complexity layers. The second would be add an onboarding uh, season. So have kind of the stru- the model that the classic model, but but compress it. And the third would be move away from the units of Clash Royale and add units that with mechanics that nobody has seen in Clash Royale or in Rush Wars or in any other Supercell games. I would add on that because those are very good. I would add that, I'm repeating a little bit myself, but make the layers, like, if season is the shot, if season is our shot and we're saying season is the thing that's going to solve everything, make the layers... The new the new gameplay and the new core layers related to that, and the other thing I would I would I would also I would also add because I don't have three things I only have two. It's it's probably make leagues more relevant uh, to season, which is what they will probably do. And on this on the layers on the core gameplay, let's not get stuck on complexity is unit complexity or sort of strategical thing. It can also be out out of the box thinking, like you know, make maybe take ideas from outside of 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 the of the genre. And uh, so it doesn't have to be the scale of the unit is more complex. It can be things like, like what Javi says, you have more slots, you have less slots, you have the elixir matters for something else, there's other upgrades, other things. But it doesn't have to be the scale of the unit is complicated. Maybe you have more of them, maybe they interact together, maybe they have combos because you have two units that are interacting together. But it doesn't have to be the scale itself is complicated. And even in TFT, the scale itself, sometimes it doesn't really matter. You think that this is a big shot, this is an AoE, this is a stun, this is, it's very simple. And this is good. So we'd keep that, but we'll try to add more complexity layers that are related to season. Things that can reset all the time. How, how does it feel if this resets, in, in my opinion? I, this, this is the hardest question to answer for me because normally I would go for iterative changes, something with balancing, something that is very low-hanging fruit and kind of going through that. 
in this case, I feel like <clears throat> I would need to take the game back to development and kind of rethink a little bit because I feel that as a mobile game, if you take it this way, the market size is just not too big enough. Uh, we don't see success for for an auto chest that that could, uh, unless it's in China, could generate the same amount. And then with the games that are successful in China, they're usually much deeper. Like auto chest doing great, Brawl Stars tanked. So they're clearly not into this highly accessible sort of a prototype looking game. So I think Supercell should be doing an auto chess game. And I'm just going to say something that is probably crazy, but I would work on something that is more cross-platform. I would work something that is mobile first, that la- brings a little bit of a depth to it, brings a little bit of depth to the Clash world, um, You know, dives deeper into these characters. They've done it with some of them, but not with all of them. And I would think about like, okay, mobile is probably not going to be our billion dollar revenue only. So could this be our first cross-platform? Could we take this into a you know, PlayStation store? Like, is it so weird that it would be there as a free-to-play? Like, you know, it has the same type of art style like Kukov and there's some other other type of games. And could could we bring this to Xbox? Could we make it into a PC SKU? Could we put Switch. this on Switch? Yeah. Exactly. Switch is the probably the first one. Like, would this be the first? game that we put on 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 switch like i think <clears throat> i i think that would be the approach because i just find it challenging to believe that there is an audience big enough and strong enough for supercell to make billion dollars off of a casual auto chess game on mobile oh okay well well <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, but but anyways, I, I I tried to think this in in my mind. Like, what would I do? And and I can't find like to do to reach billion dollars. That that's a different thing because we are talking about Supercell here. We're not we're not talking about Traplight that would be happy with this game. We're talking about Supercell and and their expectations are totally different. And what the team Shanghai has done is great. Um, that the the question is is this the billion dollar game? Can you tweak this into a billion dollar game? Can you add? elements to this to make it a billion dollar game or do you need to take it back kind of rethink about it because i think the direction is correct but the execution is just not big enough to to you know to be the supercell scale and it's one uh, billion one billion in one all, billion. in how long you know what i mean ltv, exactly. LTV like, like, I, I would mm-hmm. nevertheless i would like to demand some clarification something you said you said that the market doesn't seem big enough what do you mean by that because like so, this game, I mean, could potentially target the same market that Clash Royale is targeting. Yeah, and so I just don't see this being more casual version. Like I just, I, just, I, I didn't get the same feeling as Clash Royale. If turn based is a, is a different aspect to it, and I, I, if this game would have, okay, let's put it this way: take a step back and see where this auto chess work really well on mobile. It works really well in China. So that means there has to be a certain type of depth. This game is anti-depth, and we've seen what Supercell games achieve in China, and that is Big Fat Zero when it comes to uh, Brawl Stars being the latest one. They are highly accessible, but accessibility is not the thing that works in China. So if TFT does so well, and it is so hardcore, then doesn't that show that that is the direction you should be at least going to? Some You don't have to go TFT hardcore level, but maybe depth is is the element that you shouldn't delete off of your game, uh, but actually something that that you should lean on and then then uh, trust your buddies at Tencent that that you will be able to uh, scale up in China. 
that's one strategy. And the other one is just uh, focusing on kind of being in the middle. So just adding a little bit more depth to it uh, and making it into a cross-platform game. My point is that because we have seen that auto chess games make it big on, on China, you're thinking uh-huh. on a project that you, you think about making Clash Mini replicate a lot of the factors, the success factors of TFT. And my impression is that Clash Mini could find other success factors. And actually, Clash Mini, I believe that it has more chances of finding success if it uh, follows or it tries to implement success factors from Clash Royale than from TFT. Uh, the problem right now is that it's a genre that, by the nature of the genre, it fits to a more hardcore audience than Clash Royale. And this game is, a, this is my opinion, it's appealing to a or is trying to appeal a more casual audience. So for me, the strategy that I would follow, rather than how can I make a TFT uh, Supercell style, would be rather how can I make this the game that players that leave Clash Royale want to go to? Uh-huh. Okay, I understand. That's a that's a that's a, so that's they a valid com- point. So they complement each other. That's a that's a, that's a valid point. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that one as well. I get that one as well. Though I don't know how how many how many downloads Clash Royale is still getting and how big that one is compared to the uh, to to the rest ones. But um, it 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 is it is challenging. I'm, I'm mainly just uh, so to to take a step back and and if if I would have the the uh, the privy of seeing the numbers, I would also really analyze the audience and seeing what audience retains with this game, and then try to target that one because overall I feel like comparing this and Everdale, Supercell has done. In Everdale, they made a game that looks extremely casual and welcoming, but offers horrible competitive, not by horrible, I mean horribly competitive experience, which is totally not what the game looks like or promises. And now uh, they've done a, a game that is in the most hardcore of the niches, but then tries to offer the most casual experience of it. So these are sort of a product fit mismatches that I would be looking at and and. I don't know if that's true because I don't know the numbers, but my hunch is there's a product market fit mismatches with uh, that that are based on where the game is aimed, who are the players, and what the game actually is. Yeah, exactly, like how it markets. So, so those are those are kind of like where, where I'm heading, and that's why I would I, I still believe that they should be making a, an auto chess game, but I would go for a more hardcore audience. And then Javier is saying, no, 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 keep this and. Catch those who are uh, who are leaving the current clash game. So those are two different strategies, and and um, and um, I don't know if Supercell is following either of them, or they're just because Supercell. Let's be honest, Supercell is the world's biggest and most successful indie developer. They don't do product market fit. They don't do any of that. They just make games, and they're like, this is a cool game, and it's fun to play. It's real polished. Let's put it on the market, and it probably retains really well. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, let's cut it. Uh, but if they would be a more adult company, not adult, uh, a mature <laughs> company, uh, and by maturity, I don't mean that they're adolescent or anything like that, but just mature way of thinking, uh, they would probably do more a product fit type of a, um, um, iteration. But again, that's a totally different type of a company, and I'm not throwing shade at Supercell. I'm just saying that there are different ways of approach, and their approach is highly success- successful, but it's also an indie approach, let's be honest. I mean, it's interesting enough for us to be talking one hour and a half on it. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> There's so, too long. Javi, last words. 
to be fair, I think that there's a huge opportunity on doing a game for the Chinese market through the supercell model. And I think this is something that the market is missing. We don't have a supercell built style of game that is oriented to a Chinese market. I don't think this one is. No, this one isn't. It's this, it's, this one it, feels more oriented to Western audience. Yes, and that's why I'm so confused that Chinese developers made a game that is so... So they're, they're like making a game like Westerners don't understand shit about auto chess. Let's make them this, <laughs> this kiddie version of it. <laughs> that's what it felt like. So, Hadrian, last words? Yeah, no, for me, same. There's a, there's a big opportunity here. The I still had fun. So I think that there is something here. And you said something about the direction being the right one, Mishka. I strongly believe that there's something here. And I think that if they figured out the execution on this whole reset cyclicality, seasonality thing, this could be this could have the same effect as the Clash Royale chest had on the industry. Because let's be honest, everyone has Clash Royale chest somewhere in their game. And um I think it's there's something here. There's something here for sure. And yeah, yeah, I'm we, curious to see them pursue this. this we thing. all agree and we all want them to to win. We just present different ways of winning. And if this one wins, then all the power to them. Uh, great job by the uh, the Shanghai studio of, of their first release. If this is the first thing that they do, first thing out of the gate, this is really good. Great this game. For, as, a, as a first thing, it's, it's really great. And we're being critical because we have to be. Uh, because otherwise it would be boring. So, so, so thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you very much, very much for everybody for listening. And most importantly, thank you very much for reading uh, the amazing deconstruction done by Javier, Hadier, and Christian. So um, we'll be back with more games and, and we'll be following this one closely. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time. <laughs>